Welcome and introduce to you all, Sophia. Hey, girl, how's it going? Hey, it's going really well. Just hanging out in my room with my cat, doing the quarantine thing. I don't know what that means I yet. I think we're all still trying to figure out, girl. It is okay. <laughs> well, I'm happy to have you on today's episode talking about breaking societal norms. I know we talked briefly about it, and I think that just you being able to share your background and story of how you're actively breaking societal norms and where you've come from to where you are now. And I just want to dive into that a little bit. But before we do that, I want you to just give our little audience a brief intro. Sure. Um, well, I'm happy to be here as well. And who I am. That's a very existentialist question, but I'll try to answer that. Uh, <laughs> my name is Ana Sofia Reynoso Barnard. Um, I was born in Morelia, Michoacán, in Mexico. And I'm currently in New York City, and I am a freelance dancer, which means I just kind of struggle, but I try to make it work as a dancer. Um, and I do a lot of different projects, so I'm not associated with just one thing, if that makes sense. That just described your personality perfectly. <laughs> just that last sentence. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> All right. So talking about societal norms. Um, how did you kind of grow up interpreting what was considered normal growing up both in the USA and Mexico? I know we talked previously about your childhood and what it was like growing up in Mexico and then transitioning and moving to the U.S. And how was that? Just kind of talk about that experience for us a little bit. Yeah, totally. Um, I think as a kid, I, I first became acutely aware of socioeconomic status, especially in Mexico. Um, it's a very thrown in your face subject. I remember being like three or four years old and I asked my mom why there were children selling gum on the streets because she had just picked me up from school and I wanted to know why they weren't in school. And my mom was a single mom and um, that's pretty uncommon in Catholic Mexico. You normally have a father around, uh, even if they're not ideal, there's a social pressure to have that kind of. Mm -hmm perfect family image. Um, so I kind of think that made me really sensitive already to everything around me at a young age. And her response was, sweetie, I wish I could answer that question. And it's a really unsatisfying question for a three-year-old. Um, <laughs> and I think yeah. it just instantly made me realize that it was a really heavy subject. Um, I think there's some things that both countries share that in common about social norms and or defining them. And I think the easiest way to phrase it would be that if you follow social norms, it's almost as if you don't ask questions. Um, you do what you're told, you believe what you're told, and you stay inside the safe kind of box or outline that has been presented to you by society. You kind of just go with it. Um, I think that's true in both countries, whether you're in Mexico or you're in the U.S. or I have a feeling anywhere in the world, that is kind of my 
personal definition of a social norm. Um, and then the minute you kind of start questioning your surroundings, in my opinion, you're beginning to break social norms. Um, if I were to be more specific, I think because of the heavy Catholic influence in Mexico, social norms in Mexico to me are more based on gender roles. And in the U.S., it's a much more, how would I say, it? I guess a much more wealthier life experience. So it's almost more like I felt social pressure and pressure to follow social norms based on what I had. So, for example, having money for a prom dress is a social norm. Having money to go to college is expected. You're expected to follow this life path that is uh, requires money in the USA, and that's kind of a social norm. And in Mexico, you're supposed to follow a life path line that includes family and faith. And I don't think either of these are bad, but I definitely found myself questioning them pretty early on, starting with that first memory of those little kids selling gum on the streets, because um, it was really jarring to see children working that are your age when you're really little. It's a very confusing feeling. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and even... I just want to touch base on when I first met you and upon appearance, we talked about this a lot of social norms, just a certain social norm I'm about to speak on is me seeing Sophia. You're like, how tall, Sophia? I'm not very tall. I'm 5'2". <laughs> I'm not She's very five big. Two. I'm like 110 pounds. Yes. So imagine me, six foot, black girl with braids, walked into a dining hall and this short little white girl with red hair and just talking and I'm like oh she looks pretty pretty cool and found out that she was doing dance that summer at the summer camp we were working at and just having a conversation with you I was like oh yeah she's definitely different and not even knowing your background and your story and where you were from or what your culture of where you came from and how enriched you were with who you are it's just amazing with not falling into that social norm of me assuming certain, I want to say, uh, like a certain image of the way that you look. Um, so this gets into kind of my next question of seeing you upon appearance and how throughout life people have perceived you to be versus something that you are not. How did you not fit the mold of what society perpetuates as normal? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay, well, you mentioned I have red hair. And you stick out like a sore thumb with red hair, I think, in any country and in any social group, any ethnicity, any race, instantly. So it's almost like having a spotlight put onto you out against your will. Um, so in Mexico, in the city that I was born in, it's quite old-fashioned. So there's a saying that people say that's pelirroja mala suerte, which means redheads are bad luck. So I remember being little... I wanted to have like the thick black braids that I could put a ribbon through so we could, I could dance in school. Cause we, in Mexico, we do a lot of traditional dances, even as young as in preschool for mother's day and father's day. And every one of the girls had to have these gorgeous braids and I had red curly hair. Um, and then on top of that, walking through the streets, people would pinch themselves and say, so I associated my hair with bad luck at a pretty young age. 
Wow. And then in the States, I did blend in a little bit more, but what was actually worse and much more hurtful than being considered bad luck was the sentence, you don't look Mexican, told to me mm. by white people or people who had never been to my country or people who weren't from my country. And then most painful, children who didn't speak Spanish, whose parents had immigrated from my country and they had gotten so out of touch with their own culture and history that they'd forgotten that Mexico was established in a lot of ways by Spanish invasion and then a French invasion, and it's a huge melting pot. Mm -hmm. And I think to this day, um, I do struggle with the confidence of knowing who I am, especially in the USA, because the USA, thanks to the power that Hollywood has, paints an image of a lot of minority groups, and that affects the minority group's self-esteem. So mm -hmm. on paper, for example, right now, I'm trying to get unemployment. I'm Ana Sofia Reynoso. I'm just another Mexican name. But if I were to walk in person to the Department State of Labor, whatever it's called, with my red hair, my tiny body, and my white-looking face, oops, I'm sorry, and my white face, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, I can almost assure you, um, and this is what's most hurtful, um, that I would get different treatment and maybe a more expedited experience, um, which is why I felt quite uncomfortable when I moved here, and I still feel uncomfortable because um, I kind of live a, a double life. I'm hyper aware of my white privilege. Yet I also completely understand um, what it feels like to be the only person in the room that sticks out. So when I talk to a lot of my friends who are people of color or are gay, and we talk about that feeling where you know that if you move your head in the classroom to pass a note, even in fourth grade, whatever, the teacher is going to look at you because you're the only kid of color or you're the only super gay kid. Or for me, I'm the only redhead. And it made me really resonate with people who break uh, social norms. So I think appearance, as much as I like to pretend doesn't matter, it really does affect your role in society. And that's uh, something that makes me quite sad, but I also live on a daily basis and cannot avoid. Yeah, I definitely feel you on that. And what you said about how Hollywood kind of paints and depicts who people of certain backgrounds should be or act like. Um, I know one that I get pretty often is when people meet me. Of course, they see a six foot black girl. They're like, oh, my God, don't talk to her. She's probably going to beat me up. Y'all, if I get punched, I'm probably going to die. But... <laughs> Just my face and my, and my my resting face is just kind of looks a little intimidating. But when people talk to me, they act so shocked, which is kind of insulting. Like, oh, my gosh, you speak so well. You articulate well. And that's really a slap in the face as if, are you saying that Black people can't articulate well? Do you say we don't have a extensive vocabulary? And it just goes back to what you just said of people painting or learning from their homes or what they're bought up depicting certain backgrounds whether we're black or mexican or hispanic asian whatever it may be we see those things whether it's on a tv or passed down from word of mouth from family members but people actually really take those things out into the world and that's how they determine which is sadly how you're treated um but staying on <laughs> subject <laughs> with you being an adult now do you still feel the pressures to conform I'd like to say no, um, but I do. I think 
I mean, I'm still young. I'm 26, but I definitely think that most recently, um, most of my friends and family and people around me are quote unquote resigned to my fate to be a dancer. Um, however, the relationship questions always happen. The, do you want children questions always happen. Is this really what you're going to do? Especially right now with the quarantine. I think a lot of people are like, you still want to be a dancer? You might not be able to perform for years, you know, that type of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So in some ways, I do find myself questioning what I'm doing. I think it's human. But overall, I'm so happy to not follow social norms. I found an incredible community by being myself. Um, I think some of the most pivotal people in my life that encouraged me to be who I am were teachers. Um, and it started in Mexico. I had two specific teachers who did not think I was really weird for wanting to be on Broadway, who did not think I was this super weird kid who wanted to sing and act and dance, even though most people told me that that was pretty weird. It was a 14 block long town in northern Mexico. So, you know, it was it was a pretty crazy thing to say out loud. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I got older, I realized that those two teachers were two gay men. And as I've gotten even older, I find that some of the best people and the best mentors I have had the pleasure of meeting are fellow minorities, um, fellow artists, and a lot of people from the LGBTQ plus community. And I think mm -hmm. I'm so proud to have been taken in by them. I'm straight, but I am a very proud ally. Um, and I'm white passing, but I'm a very big ally and I'm constantly concerned about Black Lives Matter. Right now, the children in the detention centers of migrants who have been separated from their families. I think it kind of is what fuels me to represent the people who are breaking social norms because the support that I received breaking social norms, I want to give back. So I think overall, I'm not struggling with it. I do suddenly have those moments where I'm like, yeah, I don't really want kids. And then I think, is that bad? I'm a woman. I should want children. I have thoughts mm -hmm. like that sometimes, but overall, I think I'm good. I'm growing more and more into myself as I get older. So I don't know what I'll be like in five years. Maybe I'll have eight kids, a dog and a, you know, a protesting <laughs> website, but <laughs> for now, for now I'm good. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, I'm 30 and I still don't know what the heck I want. So, hey, it is completely okay to not have all the answers. <laughs> Trust me. I don't have a lot. God help. <laughs> okay. So how do you actively practice sharing your voice with encouraging others to break societal norms? Hmm, That's a really good question. I don't know if I'm doing enough. I think one of the biggest things I try to do is to be myself. And that sounds so cheesy and lame, but I really do try to be that person who says, yes, I have red hair. Yes, I receive white privilege, but I'm also from Mexico. I'm a bilingual person. I'm an artist. And I am always trying to encourage people to be themselves around me. Um, and that goes from my little brothers. Um, they're 12 and 19 now. 
I'm their friends to just feel comfortable being themselves around me. I really try to encourage them to talk to me. Um, I'm open with them about things that I go through and stuff, hoping for them to feel emotionally vulnerable with me. So toxic masculinity is not really a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, if I have students, I really try to encourage them to be themselves and to love themselves, especially with dance. I try to emphasize the importance of how it's a natural human instinct to express yourself through dancing. And I hope that by saying things like that, I'm not triggering, but I'm also really encouraging people to embrace themselves because I think by embracing yourself, you're breaking a social norm. Embracing whoever you are. I think it's really hard for people to do that. They're trained, you know, you go to school and they say, this is a cup. And then the test, it says, what is this? And if you answer a cup, they're like, you're the smartest kid we've ever met. That's not true. (laughs) You just repeated information. You're becoming a sheep. Um, So I think it's important. I think, I guess what I mainly do is try to encourage people who are younger than me to be themselves. And then with my peers, I just try to be really transparent. Um, like a few days ago on Instagram, I decided to post this picture that I wouldn't necessarily consider completely flattering because I was losing my balance during the shot and my stomach is kind of showing in a way that some people would say, like, well, not some people, many dancers specifically would be like, ugh, I look kind of fat in that photo. But that's my body and that's what it was doing in that shot. And I've been seeing a lot of things about weight loss during quarantine or weight gain during quarantine and I was like hey you can be strong and you can be soft you can be fearless and you can be vulnerable like you don't have Mm -hmm. to be just one thing and that's what I try to kind of put out there amongst my peers and then I do have a lot of students who follow me and I hope that in small ways like that I can influence people and inspire them to be themselves without throwing it in their face because I also know it's really hard to break social norms and it's really scary I agree. It definitely is scary, especially thinking of backlash you can receive from something as simple as liking a photo that's about a politician or just a joke that's taken lightly. Um, I know we're seeing a lot of the TikTok videos and some people not making the wise choices of the things that they're posting and most of their jokes being geared towards certain minority groups. people are starting to see that it's okay to speak up against these things. Like, Hey, this is wrong. This is blatant racism or it's not right to pinpoint this certain group, which I love. First of all, I love black Twitter. If you guys don't know black Twitter or you haven't read comments on black Twitter, like you are definitely missing out. But I love that my people are able to step up and speak up about certain things like police brutality and, letting know certain racist jokes aren't okay and basically holding others accountable for being oppressed for so many years. And I applaud that. And it makes me proud of who I am. And it actively makes me want to speak up more and stand up for who I am and what I believe in and kind of not let people look at me as just someone with a darker skin tone, just someone who they may view as someone who may not be competent to do something that another race or racial group can um just being able to prove those people wrong that think of those negative things the things that you can't accomplish and by me doing those things actively I'm one who likes to lead by example so I do things such as writing in my blog and encourage young black girls that it's 
it's okay to wear your natural hair and you're beautiful just the way you are. Um, even with my career and what I do now with inspiring and helping young women um, through a sport in particular to be the best individual they can be by teaching them life skills um, and just trying to be that role model. So there's just so many ways to actively practice encouraging people to break societal norms, even if you're not verbally speaking on them, just your actions can say a million things on their own. So I like that. So I want to jump back a little bit and it's a little bit off topic, but have you ever went to an audition or have you ever been in your dance community? And upon appearance, people see this small woman, redhead, and they underestimate you and you ever had a chance to like kind of prove them wrong and how did that happen Ooh, that's a really interesting question um in some ways i almost feel like i i can segue back to what you just said which um i definitely agree with so yes i have been typecasted um one of the things i mentioned is that when i was little i wanted to be on broadway Specifically, I wanted to be in Broadway as in the Brandy Cinderella with Whitney Houston. That's what I thought Broadway was, essentially R&B the musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we finally moved to the States and I had the opportunity to try these activities, because there was no Broadway, no acting classes, no musical theater things happening um, where I lived as a kid, I... M- made the realization that I was not pretty enough to be casted as a lead. I wasn't blonde. I didn't have a tiny nose. I wasn't tall. I was really behind in puberty. Um, And also, as I got older and I was just looking at the whole theater world, I was really disenchanted by the character descriptions. Mm -hmm. Um, And fast forward even four years ago to now, um, if I look at character descriptions on broadwayworld.com or I'm not sure if I can say that so if I look at character descriptions on casting websites mm-hmm. I will see it saying looking for young female between 20 to 30 years old that is African American that is blonde that is Puerto Rican that is mm-hmm. Asian and I'm sitting there looking wow I've always wanted to do this but I'm neither of those I'm none Mm -hmm. of those. I have red hair. I was born in Mexico. And, um, you know, I've auditioned for West Side Story many times. And they'll cast an Italian New Jersey girl over me as a Puerto Rican because she has brown hair and looks Hispanic. Wow. Um, And it's really hard. Even um, finding a song to sing uh, for auditions. Um, There's not a single song for a Mexican character in Broadway musicals, not one. There Whoa. are songs for Puerto Rican characters, but not a single one for a Mexican character, male or female. And um, I was incredibly lucky to get into the Ailey School, which is the school that feeds into the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. And mm-hmm. in that school, I felt like I could breathe. Why? Because there was so many minorities, so many mixes. Ironically, it's it's primarily an, an all-black company, but I finally saw dances that looked like the dances I'd grown up doing in Mexico. And more importantly, and this is something that I really wanted to touch on, I saw how 
I saw how empowered the African-American community is. And that swept me off my feet. It continues to sweep me off my feet. The Black Girl Magic concept, the Black Lives Matter concept, there's Howard, there's Spellman. I know there's so much work to do, but seeing how a group of people who were brought here, their ancestors were brought here against their will, under, like, I mean, circumstances so disturbing to me that it makes my throat, like, so tight right now trying to talk about it. And they were able to come together as a community, rise above and beyond, and fight to continue to be proud is something that I think is the most important thing that I took out of the Ailey School. Um, It makes me so emotional, but um, just seeing that ability to persevere is what fuels Mm me. Um, so even though there's not a lot of roles on Broadway for me that look like me and in dance companies, I'm always going to be a little bit too muscular for ballet, a little bit too skinny for certain things. Um, I know that by pursuing an, a deep love for my art will carry me through because that's what I saw at Ailey. Like the Ailey building is this gorgeous building on 55th and 8th in New York City. It's, I think, eight stories. Um, And it was established by the son of a single mother who had worked as a sharecropper. Wow. And knowing that that building and that legacy is there because it was a love for the arts that made it stay there makes me wake up every morning so excited to be in the arts and so excited to be who I am. Um, And I never felt that way, though, until 2015. Um, when I went to Ailey, I really didn't know who I was. I was really lost. And then I really, really just got so inspired by the African-American community, the culture. Um, I hope that one day there's a hashtag like Mexican girl magic or Latina girl magic. And um, there's less shame because I think the Hispanic community lives in a lot of shame. And um, it makes me quite sad. I think it's also the Catholic influence of like, repent, confess your sins. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do hope that we can learn from our peers and get advice from our peers um, as time progresses so that maybe one day there will be a university that was established by Latino people in the U.S. And it's not like a constant unspoken group of people because that's kind of what it feels like to me. Wow, that's that's really amazing. I didn't even know that about Ailey. Like, that's great. Ailey is, his legacy is a legend, and that man, he he means so much to me, and he means so much to so many people, because he believed that dance was made by the people for the people, and he just clearly gave his heart. Um, he's, please look him up. <laughs> he's like, he's like kind of the Maya Angelou of dance, if I can say that. He's just really an icon. Oh, I definitely need to look him up. You're making me emotional, girl, just listening to you talk about it. Just being able to hear your passion behind it. I'm like, girl, get together over here. But no, that's really beautiful. Yeah, I was like, don't make your voice break, Sophia. It's not (laughs) you. Well, we are here to be real. It is okay. But also, I I feel like that's like my quarantine monologue. Quarantine is just like, keep it together, cries. I'm back. It's fine. (laughs) Trust me, we've all cracked at least two or three times. 
to bring it back together. I think it's so good. I'm not really a crier, and I've cried. I'm emotional. Do not get me wrong, but crying is not my forte. I've been like, I'm going to cry right now. Boom. That's right. Thank you very much. Like, (laughs) Girl, a little cry every now and then is healthy. Trust me. I cry when I'm PMSing all the time because I can't find a shirt and it may not be equivalent, but it happens. Trust me. It is. See, I'm like the internal crier. Like internal meltdown is consistent for me. I'm like, everything makes me sad, but like actual tears, I feel like I need to be punched. Like sometimes I need to get a like beat out of me. If not, I'm like, I could cry right now, but nothing's happening. Although I will say I did cry a lot over dancing. I still do. That's like the one thing where if it goes wrong, I'm like, my life is ending, burst into tears. I don't know why, but dancing <laughs> is like an open faucet the rest of my life. I'm like, breakup, I'm upset, but there's no tears, but I'll be upset about it for a while. <laughs> Looks around. Yes, I'd like a glass of wine. Thank you. Like, super dry. <laughs> well, you're passionate about it. So, of course, it's going to pull those, you know, those strings in you. So, that's okay. Meanwhile, I'm just like... The emotional person like I can be sitting watching a TV show and a moment happens when a mom and her child hugs for the first time in 32 years and I'm over there balling or something happens like a really intense game that I'm watching and then the underdog wins and I'm shedding a tear I'm like what is going on like why am I crying over <laughs> see that's <laughs> like, beautiful though <laughs> it's I a think problem. dance just unlocks all the tears that I'm holding in for moments like that it's like, oh, I'm going to yeah. cry now because I actually watched a sad movie two days ago, but you think I'm crying over a step. I'll be right back. <laughs> like, it, I've done, it's definitely something I've had to work on because um, I did have one teacher say, like, you're a good dancer, but I don't know if you're emotionally strong enough. <laughs> I was like, oh, she found me crying what? in the hallway for like the third time. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Help. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm the one that's over there trying to hold it together. Like, I... Super, super. I'm a bucket of tears. I literally am. <laughs> I think I just realized that that's a social norm that I try to follow, not crying in public. That is. That uh. is. <laughs> See? It's like... it, sometimes it's just inevitable. See? It happens, girl. It happens. So um, my last question for you would be, What would be your words of encouragement for someone out there currently struggling with living outside of what society pressures them to be? Oh, man. I think I have a lot of words, so I'm going to keep it short. Not everything in nature blooms all year. Um, And with that, I mean, take your time. Uh, You are allowed to question yourself. You are allowed to cry. You're allowed to try to blend in. But most importantly, take your time with your choices and be honest with yourself, which is not actually easy to do. But um, based on my own experience, I know that the times I have tried to blend in and I have tried to find, follow social norms and make other people happy, those have been some of the most unhappy moments of my life. So. Take your time, and nothing in nature blooms all year. Meaning, when it's your time to do what you need to do is fine, and don't compare yourself to others, because that's them, not you. Nice. I like that. So kind of like everybody has their season. So that's beautiful. Yeah. I I also think with um, social media, people are in a rush. 
especially younger generations. I mean, I'm yes, young, Lord. so including my generation. And I think there's, even with relationships, there's this urgency to label things. You can't just enjoy meeting a person. Within a few dates, everyone's like, so are you guys dating? Did you guys sleep together? Did you guys, are you guys going to get married? And it's like, I just met the person. I don't know. I don't even know what type of cheese they like to eat. Like, calm down, you know? Like, I don't even know if they're lactose intolerant. I'm not sure yet. You know, like, there's a lot of Still things to figure, figure out. out. And I find that um, most people who break social norms and um, struggle because they're aware that they're breaking social norms are sensitive. And that is a good thing. That's what made them look around and question their surroundings. And it can be really overwhelming. And it's important to know that it's okay to follow your heart and follow your timing and not try to be like, oh, well, this person who's really famous also broke social norms. By the time they were 13, they had four record labels and a husband, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, like that's fine. That's them. It's crazy. They were married at 14. We'll talk about that later. You do you, you know, like, you know, it's just, it's definitely, man, we did meet working with kids. Um, like both conversations and sections, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a really hard thing. And it's also important to acknowledge the people who are older who might be, um, struggling and wanting to break social norms. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's even, I feel, almost harder to unravel what you've knitted or created throughout life. It's even more daunting. You know, like yeah. the idea of starting completely over right now during quarantine. Like, what if I said, you know what? I want to go on SNL. Okay, that's not that far removed from what I'm doing, but, you know. It really isn't. I, it, but, it, you know, something that sounds like I've put so much time into dance and so much time into what I've done so far that the idea of going back and trying to start from scratch to pursue something else can be really daunting. And what, if you choose to do so, it's okay to take your time and enjoy the process because breaking social norms is definitely a process. It's not something yes. you just, you know, it's not just like, a, oh, woke up today, broke a social norm. Good night. Like it's, it's not like <laughs> exactly. that. <laughs> Check it off the list. Yeah, yep. definitely not Ooh. that easy. If you did that, then you probably are checking off a bucket list and following social norms. Exactly. Just to guess. <laughs> like, just because you went uh, on, what is that, like, camping? Uh, what is it, yuppie camping or whatever? Glamping. Just because you went glamping, glamping oh, does yeah. not mean, A, you're hip, like a cool person or, like, super individualistic. You went glamping. That's cool. But, you know, stuff like that. Exactly. No Girl Scout badge for you. You did nothing. <laughs> well, it's something. It's just not necessarily uh, what you're hoping it is. So, yeah. Sure. Well, thank you so much, Sophia, for tuning in with us and speaking on breaking societal norms. And thank you so much for sharing your story and your background. Um, I hope someone took something away from you sharing your journey of where you've been and where you grew up and how you got to where you are and how you're still currently actively trying to break those norms. And it's just a pleasure being able to hear you speak your truth. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for having me. Um, that was fun. Although it felt like I talked a lot. <laughs> you can no. edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. 
no it's here i love having people here that can speak on things that they're passionate about and have real life experiences they can tie into those topics that i have um ultimately my goal with this platform is to be able to inspire someone um through these topics someone can look at this or hear this and say wow i'm not alone or there's someone out there that went through the same that i went through and they're surviving just fine. If they can do it, I can do it too. So I hope someone out there listening can take something from this and just be inspired that you don't have to be or tie into exactly what society deems you being normal. Be able to accept who you are and live in your truth of who you are and be who you want to be and don't let anyone put a label on it or let someone define you or put you in a box when you're meant to be something so much more and so much bigger and just just live. Don't try to live under someone else's rules and regulations and standards. If it makes you happy, do it. I'm a huge believer in everything happens for a reason. You are made to be who you are for a reason. You're currently in the position that you are for a reason, and everything happens in its season. So I hope that you guys are doing well. If this is your first time listening, thank you guys for tuning in so much. If you're a returner, thank you for returning to us and listening. You guys all look good. I know you guys are moisturizing during this quarantine. Um, paint your nails a little bit, singing a little extra loud. Hopefully you're just staying healthy mentally and physically and just taking this time to recharge and re-energize. Um, if your situation right now isn't looking ideal with what's going on, um, in our nation right now. I just want you to find a little bit of positivity in each day that you wake up and just find something to be grateful for because I'm just grateful to have this platform to be able to connect with you all. So if you guys would like to stay in touch and connect with Diary of a Chocolate Girl, we are on Facebook. We are on IG. Um, you can find us at Diary of a Chocolate Girl. Same thing on Facebook and IG. Also, if you want to just connect and send a personal message or you have any topic ideas, you can email us at diaryofachocolategirl.info at gmail.com. Again, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you, Sophia, for tagging in with us. We love you. You're so much fun. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. And I hope that we can do it again. Thank you so much. I hope so, too.